Hi everyone, this is Brandon with a quick note before the podcast. We at Glass Tire are hard at work to bring you the latest news about all that's happening in the art world during this trying time. On our website, you can see dispatches from artists, news about grants and relief for individuals and organizations, walkthroughs and video tours of Texas art exhibitions, and so much more. If you like what we do and you think that our work is important, please consider donating to Glass Tire. We are a nonprofit, and all of our funds go directly back into our work. You can make a one-time gift or even become a recurring donor, helping fund our coverage every month. For more information, visit glasstire.com slash donate. Thank you, and here's today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to this week's Art Dirt. Uh, it's Glass Tire's regular podcast where we discuss topical art topics, as we say. We discuss topical art topics. Uh, I am Christina Reese. And I'm Brandon Zek. So I uh, just recently, Ben Davis published a piece. He's kind of revisiting something as well as going over some new information. Uh, ben Davis of Artnet News published a pretty in-depth piece. He's using his time wisely in sh- the sheltering in place about um, a conspiracy theory of kind of a um, one that's gotten some traction involving the artist Marina Abramovich. Which, I mean, who better to have a conspiracy theory about, oh. first of all? Oh, yeah. Yes. No, there's no doubt about that. She seems just um, almost out of some sort of fictional narrative as being somebody who would, you know, be the head of some sort of conspiracy theory, some sort of global satanic conspiracy theory, which is, I mean, let's, okay, but we need to back up a little bit. This podcast is about the inter- the very unlikely intersection of art and the art world and conspiracy theories, which, um, so you and I were talking on the phone after we had both read the Ben Davis piece about whether or not this kind of thing is prevalent or not and why, and we were talking about art historically, what conspiracies have um, taken hold. We were talking about much more contemporary conspiracies. And um, it's not a particularly common thing, although there are some well-known conspiracies in the art world. The one we'll link to his article and also a New York Times article about this particular conspiracy theory, but it involves, essentially it was reignited um, she was already sort of linked to Hillary Clinton and Pizzagate and those old conspiracies through some hacked emails of John Podesta. And he, he was mentioning a Marina Abramovich event that he or his brother or somebody wanted to go to. But that was a while back. More recently, Microsoft, the company, the corporation, posted a video featuring her and some of her work because the, their software had had something to do with the production of some work that's going to debut or go to auction soon. Some video, some high production value stuff, and some conspiracy theorists looked at some of the imagery and they're already mad at Bill Gates and Microsoft anyway over some other things. And they linked her to this conspiracy that was... um kind of, uh, it's really wide ranging. And uh, certainly they picked up on imagery in her work. You know, her work for years has been, it's pretty strong and can be violent. It can be disturbing. 
But I, I mean, I have no doubt that something about the sort of the figure that she cuts, as well as the power that she has in the art world, if you want to say that she has power, that seem to have really, it's generated a certain, well, Alex Jones of InfoWars, who's kind of the American leader of conspiracy theories, picked up on it and has been disseminating this. What do you understand about this conspiracy theory? Yeah, so this was all really re-brought up um when Microsoft promoed a uh, an advertisement for the HoloLens 2, which is a, a mixed reality headset. So the kind of idea was with this headset, you could experience this immersive performance by Marina Abrahamovic. It's mixed reality, which means that it's virtual reality combined with your environment. So you could see like her in your living room. Uh, I think this work debuted a a little while ago actually but one is uh like a version of this piece is set to go to auction pretty soon the whole thing about the the links and the kind of underlying conspiracy about marina abrahamovich is uh in the hacked john podesta emails during the 2016 presidential election john podesta's i believe brother uh had donated to marina abrahamovich's kickstarter which is now um it was a campaign for like a marina abrahamovich institute it's hasn't been realized but one of the ten thousand dollar donor benefits was a uh a dinner that was called spirit cooking right yeah it was it was called a spirit cooking dinner which is based on um some of her work and a performance that's happened in the past and the performance you know involved blood and kind of ritualistic aspects of it so of course john podesta's brother forwarded in this email about the spirit cooking dinner which taken on itself has satanic undertones so this conspiracy theory goes deep in this sense so kind of the the re-emergence of it was you know this is a big multinational corporation that has a lot of power in the world microsoft plus marina abrahamovich who within this conspiracy theory is seen as this like satanic elitist liberal art world person and it's it's kind of a perfect storm and it's it was also bolstered by this newly released um hour and 20 minute film called out of shadows uh that's a youtube documentary uh that it's centered on the idea of well to to quote from ben davis's article the satanic plot that has infested the entertainment industry so so when we were talking earlier and and i take these super super long walks every day every evening now um around fort worth because we're doing the shelter in place thing and this is how i stay sane but i was thinking about this and for me by far the most interesting thing about I, i don't like conspiracy theories i'm not a fan um i don't know if i have internalized any perhaps i have yeah i think we you know part of this is christina i don't think either one of us are really conspiracy theory gung ho people no we're not and and it kind of makes sense that we both found ourselves kind of in the art thing rather than anything else because i think that the art world and artists and people involved in the art world are probably fairly uh they're kind of teflon about this i mean there's a lot of skepticism a lot of smart people they're not it's not a particularly religious sector of the world and i and i just think that um 
it just doesn't it just doesn't tend to circulate in the industry that we work in so when it happens like this case it's really strange and i what i do like about thinking about this kind of thing obviously is the psychology behind it and the sociology behind it although at this point it is disturbing and de- and depressing what is how conspiracy theories and theorists have so hyper politicized everything that they do and the way that uh, information is disseminated now, especially online through the internet, et cetera. But, you know, that to me is what's more interesting about, about all this. But it did make us take a look at some earlier conspiracy theories or some other conspiracy theories that have um, involved the art world. But of course, to me, what I was going to say when I said I'm not a conspiracy theorist, one of the reasons I think I find them so problematic and depressing and repulsive is there's a there's a tremendous amount to as far as i can see in, including behind the entertainment industry conspiracy theory uh, that's very anti-semitic and i think a lot of anti i think a lot of conspiracy theories are uh and it, and it's it's so toxic and um mm. but that brings to mind that people want to call people who have power into question and people who feel powerless want to find where the power is and they want to call it out and I think this could not happen to an artist who is not well known, who doesn't have some traction, who doesn't have a high profile. It has to be somebody who people have either heard of or almost heard of, mm-hmm. or they somebody who's been in the media a lot. And of course, she really qualifies for that. Um, it's not going to happen to a lesser artist. It has to happen to somebody who has some traction and some power and a profile. Well, I mean, in one of the things about you know, the idea of what makes a conspiracy theory really work is having a lot of, I guess, what you would call evidence or, or basically just a lot of public facing information or information that kind of seems incongruous to itself. So, I mean, it would be difficult for a lesser known artist for you to like build a case out of a lesser known artist or someone who has not received a bunch of press or someone who hasn't done a lot of things publicly. Like conspiracy theories really thrive on information. And uh, again, maybe I'll use air quotes around this, but facts, right? So with Marina Abrahamovich, the fact that she has done performances that's involved blood and violence and almost sacrificial ritualistic things, the fact that she has drawn on so many different world religions that her beliefs are kind of this weird, or maybe not even her beliefs, but her um, her influences are this kind of odd conglomeration of things makes it uh, really hard to parse out. And when things are hard to parse out and have a wealth of complex nuance is kind of when conspiracy theories step in to try and simply explain something a lot of the time. Yeah. And I, I think that I forget just how much the kind of Satanism thing has not ever really quite gone away. I mean, there was a huge, uh, you know, there were a lot of conspiracy theories in the eighties about satanic cults and children. And I always think of it as being like a really, that's a really kind of outdated, thing of the past and no one's talking about that anymore you know now people are talking about you know what was jeffrey epstein really up to which you know turns out it was almost a conspiracy theory and then it all turned out to be true so which is one of the reasons that conspiracy theories continue to pop up and get traction is because every once in a while we find out that something bad really happened but i think that you know for me it's a little bit like the satanism thing really is that still a thing but pizzagate was 
largely about that and so in some ways and I, I I never paid so much attention to it because it all just seems so terribly ridiculous. One of the things of course also that's very problematic about all this is that people get hurt and people get threatened and I know that Marina Abramovich has been getting death threats and I think that a lot of people who generate conspiracy theories and really get off on them and uh, work to disseminate them seem to somehow one of the th- things that makes them to me so so awful is that they just lack empathy it's like they lack the imagination to understand how what they're doing is really hurting people the best example of that that i can think of in the most recent years is of course is of course alex jones and Infowars and the sandy hook um stuff and i mean how incredibly hurtful to the grieving parents and i you know i just think it's all really really gross and i especially think it's gross when it's really almost more a form of trolling than people who really believe it like they just get excited about spreading this stuff just for the sake of it it's not that they really really believe in pizzagate they just liked the narrative well narrative and almost like this is kind of a new way of storytelling in a way only like some of the people who propagate things like this do think that it's true and i think some people just kind of like the the chase and the amateur research like it's a it's a pseudo scientific investigation and who doesn't love to get super deep into something to try and figure out what's going on with the world especially if you think there's a cabal happening absolutely i mean that's that has such an appealing like it appeals to our innate human instincts of like needing a justification for something thinking that people are against us and figuring out that that's true because of our um predisposed beliefs and the fact and the fact that there are people out there who do have something to hide the the fact that there have been organizations that have been uh, quite secretive and have kept their business from the public. I mean, a lot of fraternal organizations come to mind. So of course, a lot of fraternal organizations are brought into conspiracy theories like mm-hmm. the Freemasons, uh, the CIA, another one, they've actually done some pretty heinous stuff over the years. So when they get pulled into a conspiracy theory, you know, it's not all that surprising. They have a lot of stuff to hide uh, for good and bad reasons. But yeah, you're exactly right. It's fun. You know, it's fun to do research. It's th- it's fun to come up with your own theories about why things happen and that's true whether you're a right-wing person or a left-wing person i mean obviously the research and the hunt is kind of the thrill well and one of the things is now with the internet i mean before christina you and i were getting on this conversation i mentioned how symbology is so kind of innately part of conspiracy theories now and of course that's true with art and kind of like more historical art conspiracy theories, but that digs deep into stuff like masonry and other fraternal and secret societies. And the fact that now there's an interconnected web of dialogue about that, where you can go in and kind of see things that both are and aren't real because people are very good at Photoshop and manipulating images nowadays. Like it's hard Mm -hmm. to, it's hard to parse out everything now also well and you know if you think of conspiracy theories as what you're saying it's kind of a function of informational overload it's like there's so much stuff out there now that just trying to piece things together to make sense of the world is a completely understandable impulse but people will come up with their pet theories 
uh, based on what they want to believe, and then they'll go out and find their so-called evidence to prove that what they believe is true. It's the opposite of the scientific method. It's, it is absolutely. Yeah, it's gathering evidence towards a conclusion rather than proposing an experiment and then seeing where the evidence takes you. Yeah, and science can work this way too, where somebody comes up with a theory and then the scientists fi- try to figure out a w- whether or not it's true. But generally, yes, it's, it is the opposite. And also... And there are people who are conspiracy theorists who who try to go after detail in a very scientific sort of way. One of my favorite conspiracies, I would say, if we can say that I have one, in terms of art and conspiracy theories, and I say this because I don't feel like anyone in particular is getting hurt, is that the British painter uh, Walter Sickert was actually Jack the Ripper. And... Um, you know, he died in 1942, and his heyday was much earlier. Uh, it was very Victorian, and he was fascinated by Jack the Ripper, and um, and he painted a lot of women just sort of lounging or passed out on their beds. <laughs> and it was actually a conspiracy that started in the 90s, but then when um, the crime novelist Patricia Cornwall picked it up, uh, in the, around 2002, I was living in London at the time. It made so many headlines because she was a big deal and she was a very successful crime thriller novelist. And she decided that this was true. And it had been a conspiracy that had been in circulation off and on for probably 10 plus years at that point. In fact, Alan Moore, um, touched on it in From Hell, um, his narrative, but, um, Walter Sicker, I will say that I kind of ran with a slightly rarefied crowd in London to some degree, including some art historians who were so offended by her <laughs> theory, because there's a lot of biographical information about this guy, about Walter Sickert. He's a good painter, by the way, and people who were still alive who had actually even known him. So, but she grabbed onto that theory like a dog with a bone and I don't think to this day she's let it go she's written two books about it and then in 2013 she actually bought a bunch of Sickert's paintings she has a ton of money so she bought a lot of his paintings which of course now we're getting into an ethical dilemma because we know that she destroyed at least one of them um Mm -hmm. people say that she destroyed one in an effort to find Sickert's DNA so that it could be compared to Jack what we think is Jack the Ripper's DNA um, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, she, she tried to take her kind of forensic expertise that she had picked up, you know, writing all these crime novels, some of which I read, by the way, around the year 2000, uh, and to, to apply it to this theory that she was so fascinated with and so absolutely dead certain about. Do you know what the basis of all of the comparison is and why she actually thinks this well he was he got interested in jack the ripper himself and even uh after he had already named some works other names like uh what are we gonna do when the rent is due you know and it's like a man holding his his head in his hands sitting sitting next to a bed with a woman who's laying prone in bed and then he renames it later something about jack the ripper he was kind of fucking with people walter sickert um was fascinated with jack the ripper as everyone was in those days and um and he did it to get attention but that's probably where it would have started um and he ran in some of those kind of i mean a lot of his subject was that kind of working class population of london and you know Mm -hmm. she she just grabbed onto it though and you can see you can kind of see why i mean it's one of the more well jack the ripper is just the big conspiracy theory mystery whodunit that can kind of just cross 
I don't know, any community, any belief system. Like it's it's just the big it's the big unsolved one, right? Oh, and we love our serial killers. I mean, yeah. that's like the thing. Is like that is a that is an evergreen point of fascination and um a man who kills prostitutes in such a grisly way people just can't let go of it so yeah i mean i i think frankly i think for a lot of people who grab onto conspiracy theories in this way and they don't let go it's hard for me not to think that you know they've got a a kind of a compulsive nature obviously i i'd like to think that his reputation uh, and the price of his artwork has not been particularly affected by her theories but yeah no you could i mean she lays out a pretty interesting case for it i'm sure that there are a lot of people who believe that walter sickert was jack the ripper at this point because of her theory and the way that she has gone about trying to prove it You know, I think one of the things that's interesting about a lot of these conspiracies is that even though they kind of extend beyond the art world, um, and they they really, uh, I'll mention a few of the ones that I'm talking about in a second, but even though they extend beyond the art world, they kind of deal with art world issues in a way. The Jack the Ripper one, obviously not, but things like I mean, even just kind of stupid, basic things that we in the art world are obsessed with, like authorship, like things like Stonehenge, the Easter Island heads, the pyramids. It's like the big conspiracy theories about those things are that the aliens came in and made these things for either a reason or to fuck with people. And that's that's it. And it's so funny to me that the conspiracy theory centers around the of course, it's extraterrestrial involvement, but also it's just the the stupid question of authorship that gets talked about just so insidery within the art world itself. Oh, and we need to know who who did stuff. We need the information. Oh, yeah. We want the information so badly. I like the UFO stuff. I've, I've always actually liked UFO conspiracy theories and theories anyway. And of course, it's been during this lockdown that the Pentagon actually officially declassified some UFO videos, which we had seen about a year ago anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, and of course, there are lots of people who are like, well, let's take a better look at this. And some scientists are looking at it and saying, I think this is a cosmic phenomenon. It's some sort of dark matter behavior or whatever. It's not a UFO. Although most scientists uh, do believe that there are um you know, other, that there are aliens, that there are beings that exist on other planets and other solar systems. And that just seems like it's kind of logical if you extrapolate, you know, the nature of the universe. But are they here? Are they watching us? This is very fun. This is very X-Files. Um, I still feel like these kind of theories are pretty harmless. Um, I don't see people getting trolled or killed over these kinds of things. Oh, um, not at all. These are like the, the banal, well banal at this point but still kind of you know conspiracy theory books and like history channel shows yeah and then there's like they're semi-fun ones well there's semi-fun ones about like who is banksy there's semi-fun ones about like what really happened to maritzo catalan's golden toilet when it was stolen um who stole it did it was the artist behind it he is a prankster you know um I don't know. I mean, these are fairly harmless. I found a really kind of good and obscure one that's so art world centric um, that it's just absurd. Like no, no one who didn't care about Marcel Duchamp's work would care about this. But the idea Mm -hmm. that his ready-mades, he actually handmade and specifically like 
made them to be artworks that were kind of emulating ready-mades. The whole idea was around, I think it was the fact (laughs) that like the snow shovel handle was square instead of round and you that wouldn't actually be you know a functioning snow shovel it was something kind of so obscure that an art historian had found that apparently just infuriated other art historians it's so funny people it's you know what i mean that's the weird thing about conspiracy theories i say that there's a failure of imagination there's a failure of imagination in terms of how conspiracy theories affect the people that are being you know unwittingly brought into them there is quite a bit of imagination in terms of trying to make the connections and uh deciding to believe that what what you're going to believe including something like that i think that's funny Mm -hmm. but in those cases it feels like they get some theories get so little traction because there are just too many people who know do know the truth and so um it's only just the most fringy people who will kind of stick with it. In term, but Ben Davis was, as he wrote in this piece about Abramovich, he said, I think you should not write about a fringe internet conspiracy theory if the number of people talking about it is smaller than the number of people who are likely to read what you write. Mm-hmm. And um, so, again, you know, I can sort of um, dismiss the smaller, fringier theories as being harmless. But again, in the case of somebody like Marina Abramovich getting regular death threats now, from you know some people who again it's like there's a part of you that's like they don't even believe this shit they just kind of want to they just want to target they're frustrated and they're scared and of course right now the whole world is just in so much turmoil and they're just looking for targets for their anger and their par- and maybe their paranoia i don't even necessarily believe that alex jones believes the shit that he puts out there i think that he just He's in a kind of a manic mode of just grasping at straws constantly. And again, I just, I, I don't, the fact that it can lead to people actually get, you know, p- some people who really are disturbed grabbing onto this stuff, believing it and then acting on it is what's so, is what's so frightening. Well, and on that note from Ben Davis's article, I mean, the fact that this out of shadows, uh, movie on YouTube has gotten more than like 11 million views. Just just one of the uploads out of the many that exists now has gotten more than 11 million views. Means that this is going to be a thing, and she and Marina Abramovich specifically in this film is like being thrust even more into kind of like the art star public eye, but this time in a much, of course, more negative way. Mm-hmm. How these things get so politicized, too, I think is an important part of this. And I think that, um, generally speaking, there just is a propensity of very right-wing people and so-called libertarians to be going after people on the left or people they think of as progressive. I think they don't necessarily understand that artists and the art world, while it tends to kind of exist on the left side of things, that artists in and of themselves as individuals, I think that just that lumping all artists together under some kind of one political umbrella is ridiculous. It just doesn't work that way. They're all completely individual. But I think that, and I bring this up because there's this, um, there's been this whole conspiracy about the Salvador Mundi painting, uh, the Da Vinci painting, and this kind of idea that when it was sold and who was it sold to at auction, who actually bought it, and was it at the center of some sort of an international money laundering scheme that has something to do with 
Saudi Arabian royalty and uh, and Donald Trump's 2016 presidential campaign. <laughs> Ta-da! It's like, how can we tie it all back into this stuff, you know? I mean, a whole other arm of that quote-quote conspiracy is just the idea of people have to have something to grasp onto with the idea that someone would spend $450 million on a painting. Just like, I mean, even yeah. even those of us in the art world know that that's a, a lot. I mean, that's that's a lot anywhere to anyone, to any institution, to anything. So the tendency to want to hook a meaning onto that I mean, in my eyes, however misguided it might seem, totally makes sense, coupled with the fact that it just kind of disappeared after it was sold. Yeah. Which, you know, if it was going into a private collection, makes sense that it would disappear after it was sold, but I digress. Yeah, absolutely. And it was supposed to show up um, at a new museum, and it didn't, and people were like, well, where is it? Well, has anyone seen it? It's almost certainly in Geneva, in a Freeport storage locker, but... um, Maybe not. Who knows? But yeah, when when huge amounts of money are concerned, the people get real interested. And that would be the other way that conspiracy theories obviously infiltrate the art world. It's like, let's follow the money. Let's follow the money. And that would be something like a very, very old painting. But when it comes to this kind of the... Um, the individual's practices of working artists. I mean, I can't think, I'm trying to think of like, I'm trying to think of another artist who would even be right for this. What we do know that the Met Breuer, uh, they had a show in 2018 called everything is connected art and conspiracy. It was kind of, uh, they used the conversations, uh, around the, the, this show, the impetus for the show started with conversations with Mike Kelly while he was still alive. And then the show went up after he had died. But, you know, it was uh, it's about it was about sort of how artists treat conspiracy theories and how conspiracy theories show up as subject matter in artists' work. And Mike Kelly had a kind of weird, interesting relationship with psychology and the truth and trauma, and um, that was often manifest in his work. But I think a lot of uh, a lot of people who saw that show, I think they found it incredibly interesting. I I also think that they found I didn't see it. Did you see that show? No, I didn't. I mean, from what I read at the time is, you know, it's kind of a a problem that I feel like is just getting worse uh, as things get more unstable. But it's just sort of like, what was the line between artists simply using conspiracy theories as fodder for the work and where artists were starting to actually buy into the theories? And, and it seemed to upset some people who were like, Ugh, I mean, what are you propagating here? What do you put... But um, I think that would be a timely show. I think it's a, a show that could be done again. Oh, it's a show that could be done again with a whole new round of artists. Or, I mean, even just that same show traveling to a different city, to a different institution. That's something that the public, if they go to it, would really respond to. Oh, my gosh. It'd be a really interesting way to pull an entirely new audience into art because so many people are so interested in conspiracy theories even if again if they don't believe them um so we need to mention obviously uh because this is a big one and part and it has been partly sort of verified is that the cia used american modern art uh, including a lot of abax artists uh kind of as a weapon in the cold war i mean it was it was it was part of a propaganda war with the soviet union and it was an idea of using this movement this post-war movement to kind of promote the idea about 
the strength of American art and creativity and intellectual freedom and just cultural power. And it seems like the work that the CIA was promoting this, that they kind of do have more of a belief in it, at least. There have been a few articles um, in recent years. I'm thinking of one in Hyperallergic and then one that was uh, published by uh, a writer in Playboy that was like an inside look at the CIA's art collection. And it's a lot of like Washington color field school people and work that's vaguely op-like and just kind of, you know, I'm putting quotes around this, but it's supposed to like challenge how you interpret the world. And apparently a lot of that work is still installed at the CIA's headquarters in Virginia. But the fact that they kind of still ascribe to that and still ascribe to like the 60s, 70s, 80s abstract free thinking artwork is really interesting. Not that they are necessarily spending their money on new artwork or even need to, but it's something that goes a little deeper into American culture. Mm-hmm. Well, we do know that the State Department uh, paid for a big touring exhibition, an international exhibition. And, um, and we also know that it was a lot of ABEX, it was a lot of, um, it was a lot of very new and progressive stuff. And a lot of Americans, and this kind of goes back, this kind of circles us back around to what we were talking about at the beginning of the conversation is that or maybe we, you and I were talking about it on the phone before we started this conversation, but just this kind of suspicion that a lot of people have about art. They just don't trust it. They don't like it. Um, Truman was uh, very turned off of this art at the time. In fact, his quote was, I'm just a dumb American who pays taxes for this kind of trash. You know, just this idea that artists are elitist, you know, not concerned with the regular guy and that they're kind of, you know, doing their special thing in their studio and it's all kind of East Coast, you know, liberal intellectual bullshit. And so, I, you know, where I want to say artists are not the most um, obvious target for conspiracy theories, I'd say that artists and the art world uh, certainly is not um, immune to being targeted by conspiracy theorists. Yeah. So I got to ask you, since I am from Dallas, uh, do you think that um, Oswald acted alone? (laughs) Oh, man. I can't even... You know, when I was young, we visited the sixth floor museum and, you know, the old book depository where Oswald allegedly shot. And, like, our whole car ride back to Houston from Dallas, we talked about conspiracy theories and what actually happened. And, you know, I was so into it. And I, Christina, I have no idea. (laughs) You don't have a, you don't have a a gut feeling about it one way or the other. Here's how much I don't like conspiracy. Not necessarily, but once I was uh, in an Uber in Dallas, and I very much did not want to talk about this, but we drove through Delay Plaza and I just heard about how the driver said that uh, there was a shooter in a storm drain and he just was all about it. Oh, yeah. People are all about it. Um, It's, I mean, 
I don't I I don't believe any of the conspiracies. <laughs> I'm so anti-conspiracy there. I think Oswald totally acted alone. Um, so I'm not very fun. Um, I'm not a very fun <laughs> Dallas native or Irving, Texas native, because I'm just like, no, 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 that shit happened. He just was on his own. But um, you know, but I do enjoy I do all well, I do enjoy JFK the movie and I and I enjoy the theories. Um, but uh yeah, I'm not not into it so you don't know interesting well maybe being open-minded is a smart way to be um well with that uh let us say that um you know i feel for marina right now i think i think it's not fair <laughs> i think it's not cool that she's having to deal with this stuff and i and i and i'm i'm really you know we're all just a little stressed right now but uh I just don't think there's any excuse for that kind of behavior. People targeting this artist for just doing her work over the years. No one seems to be willing. That's the thing about conspiracy theorists. It's like they're willing to dig only deep enough to verify what they want to believe and they won't go any further. And of course, as Ben Davis pointed out and as Marina Abramovich pointed out, if people would just dig a little bit deeper and really look at the work, they would have all the proof they need that she is not a Satanist. Yep. So that is our podcast for this week. We will be back in two weeks. This is what we do every two weeks. And we are in about, I want to say, week seven or eight of uh, sheltering in place during the COVID-19 pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it does look like some galleries are starting to get back to regular hours. We know that museums are starting to have discussions about when they would reopen. They have not reopened, by and large. But keep an eye on our news, and um, we will keep you posted. And uh, I guess, are we saying go see some art now, or are we sticking with see some art? That is a really good question, Brandon. I want to say it's kind of a combination of the two. Go see some art? <laughs> That's our new tagline. <laughs> go, question mark, see some art. Question mark. Two question marks. Thanks for listening. <laughs> You'll hear from us again soon. Bye.